Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Before we get started, you guys have some big news for us. Uh, Kathy, why don't you tell us what's going on with you guys? We have a new book coming out on March 10th. It's called Awkward Moments. It's a lively guide to the hundred terms smart people, and that includes people like you, Fletcher, should know. So it's the kind of, it's the words that you kind of sort of secretly don't know what they mean, but you use them anyway. Words. Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. So do we. That's how we got the idea for the book. I mean, it's everything from Schrodinger's cat, which is not a word, but a term, to like solacism, solipsism, uh, quotidian, Weltschmerz, which is very timely. Also words that, that you do know, but that you might misuse or might not use very well, like quantum. For example, we walked around campuses asking people, what does quantum mean? And virtually no one really knew. They just used it. We saw quantum coffee, quantum underwear, quantum this, quantum <laughs> Quantum <that>. sex, <laughs> which intrigued me. <laughs> oh, wow. I guess it goes back to, is a quantum leap a long distance or not? Good question. Right. That is a good question. <laughs> I never thought about that before. <laughs> it was a fun one to write. I mean, I, I got to say, both Ross and I, I think, learned a lot and realized that we've been making fools of ourselves for many years. But we'll continue to do so anyways. So. Uh, tell, us, tell us the name one more time. It's Awkward, as in Word, W-O-R-D, Moments. Awkward Moments. It's online everywhere, and it's, it's out um, through uh, 10 Speed Press slash uh, Penguin Random House, so you can always check them out. All right. Mark your calendars, set a reminder, whatever you need to do. March 10th. We've got a whole pile of words to deal with today, and it's not actually that these words are all that hard to pronounce, although one of okay, one of them I, I don't actually know how to say properly, but we'll get to that. Uh, it's, it's more just how these words function in our language, and, and we, well, we'll get, we'll get to what I mean. You'll see what I mean. You sent me a sentence with all of these words in it, and I'll just read the entire sentence as best I can. The asthmatic colonel's head was filled with phlegm, so he put a whole lot of, this is the one, Worcestershire sauce on his salmon before going to sing with the island's choir. Uh, obviously, I don't actually know how to say, is it Worcestershire? Uh, do, you, do you drop that R? It's, it's, it's pretty much Worcestershire. Yeah, you sort of allied over the R. Okay, all right. So I was pretty close So you were pretty that. good. Yeah. I'm quite impressed, <laughs> as it's Ross, I'm sure. And all those other words, I mean, you know, we know them as English speakers, but they're certainly words that if you didn't know them, you, you wouldn't have any idea how to say them properly. Uh, asthmatic, uh, you might get there. Colonel, I mean, C-O-L-O-N-E-L, no way. Right. You've got phlegm. You've got salmon. You've got island. You've got all these words that don't look like how you actually pronounce them. And, and this was sort of generated uh, from an email from Riley in Kent, Ohio, that I think you guys got asking about choir specifically. Right. C-H-O-I-R yeah. is pronounced choir. Where does that come from? Yes. This whole all of these words, with the exception of Worcestershire, um, actually come from a problem that happened in English as English was transitioning from Middle English to Modern English. And what happened in the 1500s was in those days, Latin was the big prestige language, as was ancient Greek. 
and people decided, uh, particularly academics, and they're called inkhorn academics because inkhorns were little uh, places where you put the pen, dip the pen in. They decided to throw in Latin spellings for prestige purposes of words that were written in those days in an English way. Asthma, for example, was written A-S-M-A, and it was pronounced A-S-M-A. But they chucked in the T-H because that goes back to the ancient Greek, and it looked more prestigious. The thing that got me, though, is when we got the email, thank you, Riley, incidentally, was I never really thought of the word choir before. Asthma, phlegm, I mean, those come up a lot when you when you go, like, what are words that are spelled so differently from the pronunciation? Choir just never had occurred to me before. Had it occurred to you, Ross? Because honestly, I don't think I really ever thought about it. That said, I always have problems spelling it. I think that my, I mean, I know how to spell it, but I stop myself each time because it seems weird to be typing choir, you know? Yeah, it was originally spelled, um, wasn't it spelled originally, Kathy, Q-U-I-R-E or something? Q-U-E-O-R. Q-U-E-O-R. But it came from the French Q-U-E-R, and, and actually, it initially was the part of the church where the choir sings. And, and I love the fact that the definition of Q-U-E-O-R includes choir in there spelled the way we spell it, of course, you know? And it's always been pronounced choir in spite of the spelling. There's never been like a real difference. I mean, I think there was a slight thing. They probably said, they say that probably initially it was spelled um, more with an E, like deer, the long E, but that that's, it's, but it certainly was not pronounced choir, chore, or whatever. Oh, choir. that would have been the great vowel shift, the old pronunciation, right. I would imagine. That, that, was when, that was when that changed, yes. That's when basically long vowels in English changed. And very dramatically, uh, they they went upwards. We'll we'll deal with that some other time, though. At this point, but I do think the key aspect here this is a real killer for learners of English, because all of these words are just extremely baffling. We have no idea why they're they're written such. People will constantly ask, and we can tell them, well, this is because of that great uh, academic change in English in the 15 and 1600s. But that's not particularly reassuring to people. Phlegm, I think, is always a big killer for people. And that one really interests me in another way, too, because when we use phlegm in a different way, like phlegmatic... Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Why is that? Does anyone... Well, we have a... Uh, it, there's a science of linguistics called phonotactics, which is how um, phonemes or sounds are, are arranged in a language. And when you split into two syllables, that G, that G is suddenly pronounced. So it's phlegm, but then it's phlegmatic. Actually, in Greek, in ancient Greek, the word comes from the ancient Greek. In ancient Greek, it would have been phlegma with a, a sound at the end. So you'd pronounce the G, and there was another syllable, the A at the end, and they do pronounce the G. But in English... When you say phlegmatic, you split that that um, the syllables, and then it's pronounced. For example, paradigm. How do you say the I C in right? Paradigmatic. Yes, you do. It's funny. I don't think I've ever said that word out loud. I just realized when you said it, I had I really paused. I have never said that out loud in my life. <laughs> Wait. So why do we drop the G when we say phlegm? If in in the ancient Greek it would have been Phlegma. Why do we drop the... Well, the, the first thing we do is we drop the A. We tend to drop with... When we take in language... Uh, when we take in words from Greek in particular, we tend to drop the last syllable a lot of times. And then there's just... I mean, English just works that way. It doesn't... GM endings are silent. Diaphragm. We don't pronounce the G in that either. That's just the way English works. We do not... But pronounce. also when they came into the language, though, they weren't spelled with the GM. 
weren't they? I mean, like, like Flem, for example, I was was I thought mainly I know was like with an F. Oh, you're and, right, and an M, not a GM, as often. You're right. When Flem came into English, it wasn't it wasn't spelled with the uh, the Greek spelling. Well, in some cases it was. This is where it gets confusing. There's some, there were some cases like from the Middle French and and so on that did have the G, but very often, from what I've seen, it was it was usually chiefly uh, not with the G. We're kind of back to the earlier issue where people started to spell them in, I guess, more classical ways despite the fact that we had a perfectly reasonable way to spell a word before that? It's exa- that's the case. That happened with going back to choir for a second. Um, that's exactly what happened with choir. Um, it was usually spelled Q-U-I-R-E or, or a form of that. And um, I think by the 15th century, it was definitely Q-U-I-R-E. And then again, they, they Latinized it because it was similar to chorus. But because everybody said choir, they didn't bother changing the pronunciation. And, and the thing that fascinated me is Westminster Abbey, um, someone had put a thing saying uh, when they were talking about where the, the choir sings, and they still spelled it Q-U-I-R-E. That's, I think, must be old, though. I don't think they do that now. No? I don't know, but I'm not sure they do anymore. I think I remember reading that a long time ago. I don't know. But, I mean, we do have a problem with English, as Kathy was so pointing out. I mean, we get these Latinate words in, and it creates huge problems for people. Speaking, I'm going to go back to phlegm for one second. Here's like useless word of the day to know. Do you guys know this is a GM ending word? B O R B O R Y G M? No. Bor. I can't pronounce it. I was trying to just do it a couple of minutes ago. Borborium. Borborum. A gurgling or rumbling noise produced by gas in the bowels. <laughs> we have a lot of bowels when we talk. I just realized. <laughs> Oh man, I can't. I, it's it's almost hard. I mean, I, I have to. I think I'm gonna have to write that one down. That's almost yeah. hard for me to visualize, even in my head. Can you spell it again, Ross? I, I was just a couple minutes ago. I was trying to listen to it online. B o r b o r y g m. Okay, I'm gonna look at. It. I just wrote it down. They had pronunciations all over the place. The one problem with checking online for uh, pronunciations is a lot of times people proudly put up pronunciations that are completely wrong or completely bizarre. But I would imagine you don't pronounce the G because it's... So it would be Borborium? Borborium, I guess. Wow. Yeah, I think Borborium. I'm going to use this. <laughs> borborium. <laughs> oh, forgive me. I seem to have a touch of Borborium. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Just before dinner. Gee, my stomach has some Borborium, I guess yeah. you could say. But it's definitely a dictionary it. word. We've dealt with this sort of thing before uh, when we've talked about, say, rules in English that aren't really rules that, that were created because people wanted to make the language more like Latin, for example. So like not not um, splitting your infinitives or ending your sentences with a preposition and that sort of thing. You've got something something similar here where people are changing perfectly reasonable English spellings into more Latin-ish spellings that make it harder for us to, to figure out what's what the word actually is. I'm curious, in like a practical sense, when this was happening, how did they go about actually shifting all of these words? Uh, I mean, who was doing it? We don't have the the academy like the, the French do, as we've talked about, that tells everybody how to say or spell words. In, in a practical sense, how did this shift happen? Well, it did partly happen precisely the way you, you said. Um, 
academics took up these these Latinate words. They added the, in the 15 and 1600s, their estimates of upwards of 10 to 25,000 words were added to the English language. Um, and most of these were, this was the era of prestige Latin and Greek uh, students and studies. And the, they took words from Latin and chucked them into the Greek and, I mean, chucked them into English and rearranged spelling. And then dictionaries, like Kathy mentioned, I think last time or a couple times ago, Blunt's Glossographia. A dictionary interpreting all such hard words, whether Hebrew, Greek, Latin, in the English language. And these dictionaries became sort of canonic with English. Then there was a counterattack with people saying, oh, this is horrible. We shouldn't have these words in English. And uh, a lot of the words um, were taken out. Okay, I have a question, though. I understood that a lot of times it wasn't the words were added. The spelling was changed. Like salmon, for example, was around for a long time. Yeah, you're right. Both happened. Spellings were changed yeah, no, and words were added. A lot, of, a lot of these words we're talking about were, were, were already in the language without the, the spurious L's and GM's. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and completely. Then that, oh, the spelling I saying, but that, changed but in the 15th and 16th century. That was part and parcel of the Inkhorn movement. New words were added into English and old words were reinterpreted into English. No, exactly. I found, and I'm sure you did too, Russ, and I, I mean, I'm sure we've heard this sometimes. A lot of times, the silent L, I'm going to use the L because we're talking about salmon. Some people actually pronounce it now. It's, I mean, with the addition, it's like it's become uh, an accepted, I mean, some dictionaries don't list it at all, but many do now, like salmon or or. I mean, almond, or I mean, and then I think of the T like often, which is, is a common thing, but that's a different story. You're completely correct. It's called spelling pronunciation, and it comes mm -hmm. after, the, after the natural way of speaking. The letter is injected in, and then people say it. I mean, one of my favorites was in, uh, I think we've said it last time, was in uh, Connecticut, the Thames River. It's Thames, and Inkhorn people put in the TH to make it look Greek, and then some of these people came over to, uh, to the States, and they ended up doing the spelling pronunciation, calling it Thames, whereas in England it's still called Thames. You mentioned almond, Kathy. I, I do I do say the L almond. I do. I, I say almond too. I say almond. I sort of I sort of have a f almost L in there. I think when I say almond. Yeah. I don't say almond. Yeah. Which my husband says, and he grew up where they grew a lot of nuts, and I, I go crazy every time he mentions almonds. I can't handle <laughs> it. I really yeah. can't. Almond. I don't think that should. Where, where's he from? He's from California. Yeah, in California. that's a California thing, I think. Yeah. That's, yeah. I say almond. I hate it. <laughs> that's interesting. I don't say the L at all. I say almond, though. You say almond, and what do you say, Fletcher? Uh, almond. I mean, it, it, that L is it, the L is in there. It's sort of like a a little bit of a W with a little L sound with it, I guess. Al almond. And how do we say the leaping red fish? Salmon. Yeah, no L. Salmon. Totally. But how do you say the disease that you get from under, like from foods? Oh, salmonella. Salmonella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with salmon. We're thinking of salmon. Now I'm now I'm saying salmonella, which I've never said in my life. <laughs> There, there's some people think that you because you see um, salmonella written more than you hear it spoken, it, it became more logical to pronounce the L. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I don't know actually. I want to look at two of these words specifically in this sentence. We've mentioned a number of them already, but one that I have absolutely always wondered about is Colonel, C-O-L-O-N-E-L. Can you explain that one? Uh, that I mean, that one makes no no sense to me at all. Why there's why it's an R sound, but we spell it colonel. Well, um, actually, when the word came in, there were two uh, variations on the theme. 
it was Coronel from the French, which Ross can pronounce better than I since I don't speak French, and the Colonel came from the Italian, um, the spelling, C-O-L-O. But it, so the pronunciation actually flipped back and forth between the two of them for quite a while. So you would have, I remember reading a William Makepeace Thackeray book as a kid, a fairy tale, and one of the heroes was Coronel, and I, I didn't, I had no idea that had something to do with Colonel as a kid. Of course I wouldn't, it has an R in it. Um, so it, it sort of flipped back and forth. Coronel, you have the crown idea. C-O-L-O-N-E-L has the column uh, concept in it. Ross, you want to take? No, go ahead, Kath. You're doing very well. It's very confusing, though. It goes back and forth. It is. That's why, because that's why I thought maybe someone could say it better. So we, we basically had these two words kind of coexisting with the spellings coexisting, and it ended up, oddly enough, settling on, we're going to spell it with the L, but we're going to pronounce it with the R. <laughs> Isn't English wonderful? <laughs> so it's just it's just one of those quirks. That's the way it worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And in fact, at, for a long time, Colonel was pronounced with three syllables, like like Colonel at one point, uh-huh. which you would never hear now. Yeah. But that I think that is one of the ones that most um, learners of English as a second language or third language or whatever. That's one of those words that everybody has a problem with. And I I suspect most kids do initially because you see the word and you would never there's no reason to have an R in there. But it is really funny that that re, sort of reanalyzing words and changing the thing. One one thing that just as a, I'm going to throw it out, but it always got me was asparagus. Asparagus is a Latin word meaning exactly what it is. The, the, but it, in English, for a while, the A was lost, so it became asparagus. Then what happened was people heard asparagus, and then they reanalyzed it, and they said, oh, it's, that's sparrowgrass. And in England, still to this day, dialectically, people will call asparagus sparrowgrass, written sparrow and then grass. Which that's is just cool. cool. I've never heard that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably fading dramatically now, but, you know, with... Uh, but it, you can look it up. I mean, it will say sparrowgrass, which is really weird. That is really cool. Yeah, that's great. I like that See, a lot. See, this is when I love English, you know, really. It's just like, wow. Um, I just want to take a segue from um, colonel to lieutenant because they're, you know, another uh, military rank. And we put that in, obviously, because we all know it's pronounced lieutenant. But we put it in because of the um, British lieutenant. Right. Which, I don't know about you, Russ, but as a kid, I love. I thought Lieutenant sounded so cool. It does. It sounds <laughs> really cool. Kath, why don't you tell about that one, though? I love that one. The, it was actually spelled Lieutenant as well, so in fairness. So, so it's not as insane. But, I mean, if you're, I mean, in Britain, they, you still can have uh, the British pronunciation, Lieutenant, even though it's spelled Lou, which, which seems insane. And it's because the spelling with the L-E-F was back in the 14th century, and no one knows exactly where it came from. Um, it, the word lieutenant obviously came from the old French, you know, with the French word Lou, um, which was spelled in, an, in certain ways with, a, with an F sometimes, and they both stuck. Um, so the OED says it came from the old French. Lou means place, tenant means holding. A lieutenant held a place uh, as a deputy, uh, you know, of a of, of, of superior officer. But at some point, the U became a V, 
before the 19th century, and then the V became an F, so the Brits started saying lieutenant. <laughs> but lieutenant was a was a word that existed at some point. They believe so, but then it became the U, and then the U was thought as a V, and then the V became an F. Yeah. Well, that one at least makes a slight bit more sense than some British pronunciations that we've run across, which... I, I just think there's something... Lieutenant, to me, just sounds so much better. It does. I don't know why. Speaking of that, though, I, what about Worcestershire? I know W O R C E S T E R can be Worcester, right? Mm-hmm. Why? There's Why some, not? <laughs> there are some technical reasons that would happen in English, particularly with place names. And I mean, we, Kathy, we we can go on into that. But first of all, there's something called vowel reduction. When there are a lot of vowel sounds in a word, a lot of times the short vowels disappear as people sort of slur it. And then there's something called haplology, and then there's haplology. which is when um, Syllables sound sort of sim- similar, and we drop it. Like uh, old England, England used to be called Angloland, and then the L.A. dropped and it became England. So probably is a lot of times pronounced probably. In other words, these little middle things kind of disappear. And in Worcest- Worcestershire, uh, the C-E-S in the middle kind of naturally disappears, leaving us with Worcestershire like that. Okay, we drop the R, so it's so instead of Worcestershire, it's Worcestershire. Yeah, Worcestershire, Worcestershire, Worcestershire. But apparently, it's very common. The dropping of sounds like that is very common when we're refer- not as common with regular words, but very common with place names and names. And it makes sense because you're you're constantly using them. You're constantly going there, and you just you know you switch it out. We've mentioned that before. A couple of those British place names that are just amazing how many letters you drop and and how you pronounce the like what what's the one feather far oh featherstone hall which is fanshaw fanshaw right <laughs> yeah hugh is fanshaw that one just gets me to this day it's just incredible but obviously you know that that's a different case from from what we were dealing with before where where people were changing the spelling to to more approximate latin this is that's that's a bit of a different case from from a lot of the rest of the words in that sentence although that not we necessarily read. because i mean let's go back let's take one salmon salmon for example salmon in latin was salmo with an l definitely in it and it was pronounced with an l in latin and then it did lose the sound as did all these other words naturally and it became salmon in french and then it came into english as salmon without the l and then it was put back yeah. in. But to be fair to the language change, <laughs> the initial change was exactly what we have with Worcestershire, only this time they changed it back again with the with the L putting it back in. One thing that fascinates me, when I, we started talking about salmon, there's so many other words I never think of that have a silent L. I mean, I know that sounds dumb. And when I repeat the words, it's they're so obvious, but like would, could, and should. I never think of the, but I don't think of the L. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think of those as being complicated for people to see and pronounce. Yeah, and in fact, in this email that you sent me with that long sentence, at the very end, you said, talk Monday. And, and I didn't say just now, talk, we'll talk Monday. Yeah, no, that, you're right. Because <laughs> that, again, goes back to a fascinating with the spelling of certain things. We, we, we're picking these as like complicated words like phlegm or salmon, but why not? You're right. Why not talk or um, talk, as I say, which has a W, obviously. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you know talk or would or could i mean i think they're so common that we don't think of them as 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 complex or as as words that have like a spelling that's very different from the pronunciation but they really are 
Mm-hmm. Oh, English is filled with it. Yeah, if you were learning the language and you came across those words, then you would probably be pronouncing those letters until someone told you not to. Yeah. Precisely. Oh, can I throw out another useless word of the day? Please do. <laughs> I was looking at salmon, and I never knew this, but are salmon, I'm going to probably mispronounce this, Samilparis, Samilparis, or Eteropis, Perus, or Oviparis? Are they Samilparis? What? <laughs> Are you what? are you just making up sounds <laughs> no, now, Ross? No, I don't trust him. I, was, I looked up salmon, and there was a um, biological study of salmon in BC in British Columbia, and they were talking about samelperus salmon, which had like a sort of a euphonious ring to it. Samelperus salmon. Do you know what it means? It's giving me barborium. Whatever it was. <laughs> I had no idea what Semelparis meant until uh, last night, or to, I mean this morning. Semelparis means, semel in Latin means one, then paris once, or one, and paros means, of course, you know, parare, bearing, uh, giving birth. Of course! I mean, <laughs> some of us didn't know that. <laughs> you know, not, I mean, you know, bear, bearing, so whatever. So Semelparis are... Um, they they mate once they bear once salmon basically have sex once and lay eggs they're oviparous as well they lay eggs and that's it it's over one time humans are not smelperous so now we can use that in bore bore whatever <laughs> bore, bore, bore. Yes. <laughs> which i am using <laughs> regularly now <laughs> so i imagine over time after all of these spellings were were changed I imagine that there have been movements here and there to try to change some or all of them back. Have there ever been any that were almost successful? That's an excellent question. Because I mean, it reminds me, obviously, initially I was thinking of, uh, what do you call it, Esperanto, when they had all those like the simplified spellings. And there's been those efforts to do the simplified spelling, alpha uh, things. But I can't think of any recent. Can you, Ross? George Bernard Shaw did. But that didn't catch on. And um, what's his face? Webster did, too. Webster added, took out, for example, in English, um, we still have it in Canada, but he took out the uh, color, C-O-L-O-U-R. He took out Webster, Noah Webster took out the U's. So Americans spell color C-O-L-O-R. Okay, so there are a few little things like that then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Teddy Roosevelt tried too. Wanted to follow spellings of the Simplified Spelling Board, which financed by Carnegie. So actually, there's been a few. This yeah. is fascinating. And I mean, as you know, of course, uh, of course, they haven't they never really did catch on. But those are high profile people that you've named who tried to do this. I wish they would do some medical ones like diarrhea always kills me to spell it. I don't have much opportunity to spell it. But that one to this day, <laughs> to this day, I get all confused. <laughs> Interestingly enough, though, some of the ones did catch on. I'm sorry, I'm looking right now at the spelling that Teddy Roosevelt implemented for use in the government documents. Check, changing check from the Q-U-E to the C-K. Uh, oh, a lot of the changing of the S spellings, the British S spellings to Z was from uh, that. Apologize, a pride. He, they wanted to spell a prize with a Z. Right, okay. Center from E-R, from, from R-E to E-R. Uh, interesting. So a fair amount of these we've actually, we've actually incorporated. A fair amount we haven't. Like they wanted expressed to be E-X-P-R-E-S-T. Yeah, the problem, though, is by the time you get to the point where you're using these words, you already know the weird spelling. So you only really benefit a young person, and the people doing the spelling and doing the accepting don't want it at that point. So it doesn't really usually, it doesn't usually really take that well. 
But then on the other hand, we've got, as we've talked about before, how so many misspellings and mispronunciation become incorporated and accepted, you know what yeah, I mean? Without trying. <laughs> a lot of these changes are happening or are going to happen, certainly because of the internet and, and also the fact that, I mean, literacy is just a lot higher now than it used to be. I mean, more people, you know, it, it, you could you could graft changes onto the language more easily, probably five centuries ago than you than you could now because there are so many more people reading, right? I think that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely, I would say. But then, then you've also got the problem. I think then we go back to what I was talking about. You with with more people reading and writing, you have more chance of misuse, and then you have more misuse ending up becoming acceptable because it's so prevalent. But those are things that are, that are going to happen more organically. Correct. You, yeah, you're not going to graft it on. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think you're going to ever get like a, a, an authoritative group telling us, here's how you spell this or that. I think it's impossible with English now. There are too many different powerful you know, areas of English speakers too. Indians, Americans, British, Australians. No one's going to go for one centralized new way of speaking or writing i'm just i'm just fascinated with simplified english i think about it though like like spelling for texts and stuff i see more you are commonly now now i'm not we're not seeing it obviously in articles but you are see, i mean i do in the course of the average day now see someone using the letter u to be y-o-u so in a weird way we're doing a modif a limited modified simplified spelling if you will. You mean like even in, a, in effect sort of like internet spelling or something you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Text yeah. spelling is what you're saying. Yeah, but isn't that more of like a, to me it seems more of an abbreviation, more on the order of just like an abbreviated abbreviated way of saying something, whereas when you're going to write it formally, you're going to write it, you're going to write it out. You're not going to really. But I'm wondering over time, give it like 300 years. Yeah, that's actually, okay, I'll give you 300 years. We can't <laughs> Thank you. that, but I'll give you that. Okay. I knew I was onto something. <laughs> this episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that. And on March 10th, Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, Awkwards, at your local independent bookstore. And, well, as Kathy said, pretty much anywhere on the Internet. But support your local independent bookstore, right? Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. This has nothing at all to do with the topic today. I just happened to have my mind blown twice with sort of the same thing, and I want to share it with you. If you follow any of us on Twitter, you may have seen us talking about this already, but I learned something the other day from the British quiz show QI. The word buffalo has three meanings. The animal, of course, and then the city in New York, and also it's a verb, meaning to outwit or baffle or intimidate. So as QI said, given those three definitions, the following sentence is perfectly grammatically correct. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. Yeah, so... That's ridiculous. But I sat down and finally worked it out, and yet it, it does make sense, even if it's insane. 
So that was the first time my mind was blown. The second time happened when Kathy and Ross and I were recording this episode. I'd already been talking to Kathy about the Buffalo thing on Twitter, but neither of us had told Ross yet, so I read it out loud to him. The first thing he said was that it made his head hurt, understandably, but then in exactly 37 seconds, seriously, I counted, it was exactly that long, he'd figured out what the sentence meant. Just like that. Here he is explaining it, and the sound quality is a little funny, but don't worry about that part. The Buffalo from Buffalo, who are buffaloed by Buffalo from Buffalo, Buffalo other Buffalo from Buffalo. Gosh. I mean, all he had was me reading it to him like I did to you a minute ago. He didn't have it written in front of him or anything. All he had was, I guess, my inflection to tell which Buffalo was capitalized and referred to the city. Or maybe he just figured all that out on his own, too. In 37 seconds, Ross, your brain buffaloes me. Is that a thing? Can I say that? I guess I just did. Crazy.